Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Thank you for joining us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, Practice Quotient, PPO Analysis and Negotiation, as well as uh, myself. I like to fund the show for educational purposes. It makes me feel good, and hopefully you enjoy it. With me is a very special guest, is Mary DiCarlo of the OMS Foundation. How are you, Mary? I'm doing great, Patrick. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. We are here at the Ritz-Carlton Lake Oconee Reynolds Plantation. Very nice lake view. They have hammocks. It's beautiful. I'd like to hang out all along. Longer. Have you enjoyed your time here? It's been wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. The Georgia Society has been very welcoming. Yes, yeah, so it's the Georgia Society of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons. Uh, you just saw Dr. Michael Demo as the president, and he's uh, running around, shaking hands, kissing babies, and doing a good job as the president. Um, the reason I wanted to have you on the show, Mary, is you know we've talked before, and I think that it would behoove our listeners to understand what the OMS Foundation is and what they do. So can you give us a, an overview of that? Sure, I'd be happy to. The OMS Foundation functions kind of as the p- philanthropic arm of AMOS, the American Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons. We are the nonprofit entity that helps to fund the research and the education programs that are so important to the continuation of the OMS specialty at the pinnacle of the dental surgical specialties. So what are you uh, researching exactly? Wow, we have a lot of great projects going on, particularly this year. It's been fun talking to some of the researchers and seeing what they're doing. We have... um, We have about six active projects going on right now, two clinical research projects, one of which is uh, related to researching how well third molar patients convalesce without opioid prescriptions. And we have a team at the University of Pennsylvania who is identifying molecular markers pre-surgery that will help the surgeons identify who actually is going to need opioids to convalesce successfully after a third molar extraction, and who's going to be able to get away without those? They estimate about 85% of third molar patients don't need opioids. And if we can come up with a concrete, reliable strategy for identifying which of these patients don't need the opioids, then we reserve the prescriptions for those that we think accurately, that we think we will need them. I think that is very noble considering the opioid crisis that is happening uh, across the country and has been really devastating uh, our great land. Um, now, for, for John Ray, John Ray doesn't know what convalescence means. Can you explain that term, please? Well, I think after you have your wisdom teeth out, you have four teeth extracted, you're probably going to be looking for some pain medication. Um, a lot of dentals uh, specialists, oral surgeons, dentalists, dentists have in the past prescribed opioids as kind of a um, worst case scenario prescription. But what they're finding is that not everybody needs the opioids and not, and all those opioids in the system was causing more harm than good. So there's a strong conviction now, a strong um, 
obligation to make sure that you're prescribing accurately for the patient and not just for the worst case scenario. So if you can accurately say to a patient, confidently say to a patient, I don't think you're going to need these huge drugs to be comfortable in the week after your third molar extraction. I think you're going to be just fine with an analgesic combination of drugs. And if you can give that patient confidence that they are going to be just fine and that they don't need the opioids, then chances are they will be. But it helps to have that, uh, the data, the molecular verification. Gotcha. I see. Earlier today, we were talking about research and how research is so in-depth and that it is a challenging endeavor for somebody to do kind of part-time. Um, can you speak a little bit uh, about that in the, just the level and thoroughness of what your folks do from a, from a comprehensive standpoint? Sure. You know, in the time that I've gotten to know some of the oral surgeons that belong to Amos, I am so impressed with the level of expertise that they have and also how much work they do. And the idea that someone could take care of a practice full of patients and also conduct research, you know, careful, methodical, data-driven research, to me is incomprehensible. So what we do is we make sure that the research is being done by people who are educated to do that, who are professionals, who are PhDs, and their specialty is is conducting research, building a project from start to finish, making sure that you have all of the data to support the conclusions that you come up with. And that's not something that most OMSs would have either the time or really the expertise to do. So rather than ask the OMSs to conduct the research, we leave that to the researchers. But the OMSs are the ones who are really benefiting from that research. They, um, their patients expect the very highest level of care that they can get anywhere in a dental specialty from an OMS. They come to the office with that expectation. And it's the research that's going on behind the scenes that's allowing the OMSs to provide that level of care. So it's almost like just a, a cost of doing business. You have to fund the research if you want to be able to continue to offer that level of care and if you want to have the science to back it up. Research isn't cheap. It takes a lot of time. You have to have a lab. You have to have the education and the staff to do it. And to expect that you would be able to get that for free, I think, is unreasonable. You wouldn't expect to get to your office manager for free or your anesthesia drugs. So... It really is just another part of what is um, kind of the infrastructure of an OMS practice is access to that kind of science. And access to that kind of science is what makes it a specialty. It would, am, I, am I right in thinking that? Absolutely. I think that the, the very foundation of the OMS specialty is data-driven research and solid science that's backed up with um, multiple studies, making sure that the results that we are offering to the surgeons as their next best practices are t totally solidly based in science. Gotcha. So just a 
it's my, I'm from the insurance industry, as you may know, uh, Mary, and, you know, some of my colleagues on the, uh, the other side of the ball are the same side, however you want to look at it and however they look at it, really. Um, sometimes they want to pay my board certified dual decreed oral surgeons like general dentists that just graduated last summer. And so if any of you guys are listening and ladies, um, this is why we have to make sure that the cost of care, it's more of a, it's a high, higher caliber of care, which is backed up with quantifiable and scientific methodology to ensure that the patients, i.e. your members, have a better health care outcome. Would I be accurate in saying that, Mary? Absolutely. And I think you're making an interesting point, Patrick. If you go back a few years, one of the most impactful uh, research projects that the OMS Foundation has funded in the history, the 60-year history of the organization, um, speaks directly to the insurance industry. When uh, probably about, I don't know, 15 years ago, there was not really a strong support from the insurance industry for paying for um, third molar extractions unless there was an absolute uh, solid indication that the tooth was impacted or was infected or something like that. And the foundation funded a multi-center, multi-year study indicating that the cost of taking out wisdom teeth proactively is actually much lower than allowing those teeth to stay in a patient and dealing with the consequences. Because even a tooth that, a wisdom tooth that is not causing problems for the patient at that moment has potential to cause more problems down the road. And so we had researchers working on this and coming up with multiple white papers that were published, solid data that showed that it was actually in the best interest of the patient, in the best interest of the industry, to remove third molars early on and not wait for them to show indications of, of problems. That's key. Um, that, that data right there is key. Being from the other side and being in the meetings about third molars um, some years ago. And... I'm not a clinician by any stretch of the imagination. Now, there's always a clinical aspect in every uh, payer, and that is very important in, to, to state your case um, to their dental directors and clinical folks. Um, but what I just heard, and let me just state it into my own words, not only are is the OMS specialist providing a higher caliber of care, safer care, and helping the country with the, the opioid crisis, but also has the data to back up that their services are financially, uh, I don't want to use the word cheaper, but uh, less expensive, right? So for those of us in the payer community, so ultimately it saves everybody money. So it's a, a rare triple win. It's a win for the patient, a win for the provider, and it's a win for the the payer. Payer, patient, and provider. Triple P. I love alliteration. <laughs> I think I agree with you, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah, I think that um, the foundation has really proven its worth with that study. 
But that was several years ago, and now we are, are in a whole different era. Um, it's been proven that wisdom tooth extraction is in the best interest of the patient. So, but moving on to more critical issues that are of, you know, kind of hot button issues for the OMS specialty now, anesthesia is one of the biggest ones. And we have funded um, a couple of key studies related to anesthesia and patient safety. We just um, awarded a $150,000 grant to the University of Michigan uh, just this past year, and they are building a um, anesthesia simulation training curriculum that will initially be released for residents, but eventually will be made available to OMSs across the spectrum of the specialty. And Amos has just installed a state-of-the-art simulation lab on the second floor of their headquarters in Rosemont. So the team in Michigan is putting together a curriculum that's going to tie in and be, uh, I think, in intrinsic to what's being offered at the simulation lab. So the foundation and Amos are very much working hand in hand on trying to address these issues that are of such importance to the specialty. But if you go beyond just the, the real bread and butter things, some of the projects that we funded this year I think are fascinating. We've got uh, one of our researchers in Texas who's putting together a project where he's studying how to use artificial intelligence to um, to help to decide whether or not someone with a fractured orbital bone is better off with surgery or if we might be able to let them heal successfully without surgery. There are a lot of complications to facial surgery, you can imagine, especially when you get so close to your eye. But here we've got a researcher who's gathering data so that when a surgeon has that make that decision to make, he has data to back it up. He can look at his patient, but he can also look at a whole wealth of other patients for whom data has been gathered and say, okay, well, based on what I see from other um, instances, other patients, then I can make a decision, I think, more confidently for my patient. So, and that's, and we're using artificial intelligence for that. So I think that that's going to be just kind of breaking the ice for this whole area of study. Artificial intelligence is huge. The medical, medical professions are all making good use of it. And the or OMS specialty is keeping up with that. That's, that's really good to hear. And I can't, uh, I can't agree with you more. Uh, I'm certainly no uh, expert on AI. Um, however, that is a great new frontier. And so the research is going to be critical and making sure that that, that technology is going to be used optimally. So what the OMS Foundation is doing as a whole, um, I think is going to take probably a, a whole new level of importance. I think so. You know, we are, we are working very hard to make sure that the OMS specialty is at the cutting edge of the science that's available to the medical professions across the board, not just the dental professions, but the medical professions across the board. So, and I think that, you know, I'm here at the Georgia Society meeting and spoke to a number of the members and they are grateful for the opportunity to have us working on their behalf, doing this kind of work because they acknowledge they don't have time to do this. They don't have the expertise to do it, but it figures greatly into their practice, their ability to, to offer their patients the safest and the highest level of care available. 
Gotcha. Amen. Would you like to um, give any sort of uh, special mention to donors or folks that, uh, that you met here or anywhere else? We'll give a shout out to Karin. Hey, Karin, how are you? Um, and is there anybody else that uh, was a special donor? I can think of one guy. He, he, he's a... Well, it's yeah. funny you should mention that, Patrick, because I was thinking of the same guy. I wanted to say thank you to Practice Quotient for coming on board as a bronze alms fire donor. But I also wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Michael Demo, who um, stepped up in front of a room full of people, a room full of his uh, OMS members of the Georgia Society, and said, yeah, I think this is important, and you can count me in as a silver alms fire donor. Having the leadership of the societies or the leadership of Amos, and incidentally, all of the trustees of Amos support the foundation very generously. Um, but having that leadership from the people at the top, I think, gives the, the rest of the members confidence that their money is being well invested, and this is, this is something that they can do with confidence and with pride, that they are helping to advance the specialty as a donor to the foundation. Excellent. Amen. Um, well, is there anything else that you are, you'd like to add? How do folks get a hold of you if they would like to speak with you or if they would like to donate? Well, I think our website is a good place to learn about the foundation. Um, OMSfoundation.org is kind of our front door, and I welcome anybody to, to come and, and learn more about what we do. If you want to reach me directly, you can certainly call me. Okay. Well, you just call Amos headquarters, right? Yes, if you call if you call Amos headquarters, they'll direct you to the foundation. Okay, and if you want to send checks, if um, if you go to our website, just hit that donate button, and that'll take you right to a very easy to use donation form, and it allows you to do what you're doing, which is donate monthly. We try to make it as easy and. Um, effortless as possible. You know what? I, I'm just thinking. I need a donate. A donate now on our website. Like donate to the O'Rourke Children College Education Fund. I'm going to leave you in charge of figuring that out, Patrick. Mm, get on. That. <laughs> I'm not getting involved in this. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Mary DiCarlo. It is always a pleasure. It, most distinguished. I have a ton of respect for you. Thank you so much for being on the show, especially on a very short notice while we are on the road at the at the Ritz-Carlton here in uh, Reynolds Plantation in Georgia. Well, thanks very much, Patrick. It was my pleasure. All right. Take care. Mm -hmm.